Welcome to Conversation Pace. I'm your host, Brian Rossetti. In episode 32, I spoke with Stan Lindy. Stan is a lieutenant in the U.S. Navy and Olympic trials qualifier in the marathon. I initially connected with Stan when he sent us a note directed to Dr. Daniels, expressing how grateful he was for his research and desire to help others reach their potential. When Stan came out of high school, he didn't have the standards to make the team at Florida State, but he was determined to walk on, so he trained solo, and after reading Daniel's running formula, he dropped 67 seconds off his 5K PB to make the team. He then went on to earn all ACC and all region honors, and after graduating college, he continued to improve, setting multiple personal bests, including 104.31 for a half and 218.45 for a marathon. In this episode, we discuss setting PRs during the pandemic, his athletic story and how he trained prior to reading Daniel's running formula, his success in college and beyond, and how he went from 245 all the way down to 218 in the marathon. It's an inspiring story. I hope you enjoy our conversation. So what's happening? We've never made it to uh, a little bit more about your story and um, and learn more about you know, what you're doing now. And uh, we're excited to have you. And uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, where you're at right now. Well, yeah, thanks, Brian. So I'm actually in Monterey, California, and uh, over on the West Coast. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm at Naval Postgraduate School here working uh, until about September. Uh, I'm in the Navy, so I'm, I'm just getting a master's here, and it's all virtual. So uh, that, that's where I'm at right now. And uh, just happy to enjoy the the good weather in California. Yeah, I was gonna say, is there actually weather in Monterey? I don't think there is. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of you know stays the same pretty much year round. You know, it won't get colder than forty degrees, and it won't get warmer than sixty degrees. Like for the majority of the year, there's some spells where it gets outside of those. But yeah, it's it's kind of perfect the whole year. What a great training environment so but you're there for your masters and um because you're in the navy not necessarily to trains but it so it's worked out oh yeah i mean this was this is a great deal you know as a runner you know because uh you're getting you're getting uh, a master's degree and that's kind of like my job right now um just to go to school and and um you know it's not a bad place to train yeah i, I mean i've been in places where it's been under zero degrees for three months out of the year. And, uh, this is, this is definitely a step up from some of those places. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm currently talking to you from Pennsylvania where it's like 12, a high of 12 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm, I've got a hat on indoors and, uh, so I'm jealous. Um, <laughs> how much time do you have to train right now? Uh, considering your duties with the Navy and, um, going to school. Well, you know, I actually, I'm pretty lucky, uh, as you know, most people are, some people are in the Navy. Uh, my, my classes don't really uh, get in the way of my training. Uh, sometimes they do. I have an 8 a.m. And so there's about three or four classes that I have to take from 8 a.m. to about 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. And then anything outside of that or in between where I get a break, I can just go out for a run. And there's, there's hardly any times where I can't get two runs uh, on the day, you know, so, um, you know, and we got the weekends off, so that's good. So, and, and Friday today, you know, I kind of have like a three day weekend. So, uh, every, every week. So, 
It's pretty yeah. easy. That's great. And then what's your commitment, Stan, with, with the Navy once you get your master's? I'd say a few more years. I'd say about two or three years. I couldn't tell you to be exact. Uh, and, you know, to be honest, I'm not counting the days or anything, but I, I did ROTC in college. So out of that, it's five years. And since I'm getting a master's, I think they add on two or three more years to that. And I'm coming up on the five-year mark in April. So this would be my fifth year in the Navy. So, um, you know, I'd say I got a few more years. If, if I wanted to do something else. Right. I'm laughing here because as you're talking about that, I'm thinking of Jack, when, when you sent us the message about, you know, how much VDOT, we'll, we'll talk a lot about this, obviously, um, and, and VDOT and Jack's book and how much it's helped, you know, your athletic story and career. Um, Jack has coached, he always tells the story, he coached a Navy runner who was running 80 miles a week on the, on an aircraft carrier. Like when he was, yeah. when he was serving, <laughs> did you imagine, um, how, how many laps, I mean, would that be for a mile on some of the big carriers? Do you even know? Oh yeah. Well, I, I'm sure that, you know, the, the flight deck is about, you know, one way I'm, and don't quote me on this. I hope, you know, no one, none of my you know buddies on aircraft carriers are going to, be listening to this, but I'm sure that, you know, the stretch, like the straightaway is probably about a quarter mile, maybe, you know, maybe a half mile long, you know, yeah. so, so I'm sure that, you know, um, and I, I've heard of them doing 5Ks while they're on deployments, you know, where they'll, they'll get some time to get some exercise and they'll, they'll run, actually, they'll run on the, the aircraft carrier and I'm sure that they could, probably do a few laps and get a, get a five. I, I'm sure they could run a long ways on that aircraft carrier and get some distance, but it's, I mean, the surface is kind of hard. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want all my miles to be on the aircraft carrier. They got plenty of treadmills on the ships and that's, that's probably, and, and I know Jack is, is very, um, is a big, you know, treadmill guy as far as, you know, yeah. encouraging that, you know, so that's where I would be. That's well, the way Jack tells it, this guy was on the deck for those. those yeah. more. This was a long time ago, but um, does it can you go all the way around or, or you have to kind of cut it? It's not like a full loop. Well, I'm sure you can do loops. I've, I've never. And see, here's where the problem is. I've never. I mean, I've been on an aircraft carrier, yeah. but I've never been. Um, I've never worked on one. I've never gone on an appointment on an aircraft carrier, but I'm sure uh, that they that they do the loops. Um, even though they, you can't, I, I'm sure there's, there's areas where you can't run, but they'll probably make loops for you. You can't just, uh, yeah. they're definitely not going, you know, back and forth and back and forth where, you know, you run one stretch and then turn around. That would be, I don't know. That, that seems awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it was during the first Gulf war, um, from what I remember, but, um, so you, you're listed as a lieutenant. What are your responsibilities? Like, what part of the Navy um, do you work as? Yeah, so uh, I'm my job in the Navy is a little bit different from others. I'm a human resources officer, and primarily my job is to man the fleet and and make sure that we're putting uh, the sailors and uh, the exact places where they they should be or where they're going to help the Navy the most. And a lot of my job looks at numbers and and you know, rotations and 
um, there's a lot of sitting behind the desk and a lot of talking with people. And um, that's yeah. kind of my job. You know, it's not like uh, I'm on the ship or anything, but I could be on the ship in future jobs. But right now, all I'm doing is looking at numbers all day. <laughs> um, so again, pretty good for training that you're you're not on your feet all day. Oh, yeah. Well, I have kind of like a nine to five job normally. Um, now it's perfect. I don't even work those hours. But yeah, even when I'm not at school, you know, my my job is behind a desk and and they give us two hours a day um, to go out and exercise. That That's the great thing about the Navy is that um, and those kind of desk job is jobs is that they'll let you take off for two hours of the day if it's not busy and, you know, get your run in and, or get your workout in, which is when I, my last duty station, I would use that a lot. <laughs> I would dip out and say, Hey guys, I'm just going to go out for 10 miles and come back. Yeah. Stan, what, um, what are some of the standards in terms of running for the Navy? Jack and I actually did some consulting we were probably not not too far from where you grew up, I believe, in Destin, of uh, Florida, near Eagland Air Force Base. We did some consulting with a special forces group, and it seems like the standards have gone down in terms of running and and fitness. That was something that they wanted to try and address, and that's why we were there. Um, but I'm just curious, what? Is it like a annual um, time trial? Is it the two mile a time trial for the Navy, or how does that work in terms of fitness requirements? Well, uh, each branch has their own test, and I can't speak on the Air Force. I know that they do a mile and a half, um, like right. we do. We do a mile and a half run for our our cardio portion of the test, and you know the Marines will do three miles, the Army will do two miles, and everyone's kind of different, and their standards are different. But uh, um, across the, the Navy, I would say that the standards, uh, yeah, they are kind of going down. We've been changing our tests to, um, you know, not include so much of the to the run, and which is kind of discouraging because, um, you know, run, running really helps. I, I, you know, I just think that it helps. Um, mentally you know to get some aerobic exercise and to kind of stress you know you know more blood flow to the body but not just the body the brain and and uh but as far as the navy goes um yeah i mean the standards are pretty low for running the mile and a half i'd say that i've worked with a lot of people to try to get them to pass the test and um you know, as you get older, the standard gets exponentially slower. So, you know, a person who is my age, I'm 27, uh, might have to run, let's say, like, you know, 14 minutes for a mile and a half, you know, all out, that's the race, you know, and to to be within good standards. And, uh, you know, a person who's 47 might have to run like 17 or 18 minutes, you know, and that's... Wow. Yeah, I know it's for a mile and a half. That's, I mean, some people can walk that, and and I think it's just um, they've they've kind of put less of a emphasis on um, on running. So, yeah, hopefully, I mean, maybe with the military, um, if this continue, if that trend continues, maybe there's a push again to get more of an emphasis, you know, prioritizing fitness and 
wellness in high school. I mean, it starts at an early age, right? It's not, um, it's a, it's a general population problem, not just, um, in the military, but it's, it's sad to see that this is where we're at, you know, um, by that point, it's kind of hard to reverse those trends. You got to start earlier in school. And I think a big, big part of the problem is just the, that association, um, growing up, like running this punishment, you know, and oh yeah, um, it's like, oh, you screwed up. And we always say like, oh, you screwed up in basketball practice or football, you know, go run a lap. You know, it's like, oh, shoot, I got to run. Um, I don't want to make that mistake. And then you got that association that it's just punishment and it's just bad um, for society. But uh, so we'll talk a little bit. That's a good segue just into um, where you grew up and, and when you first started to run. Because um, you grew up, was it, uh, tell us where, just south of Tallahassee, right? Right. So I grew up in Crawfordville, Florida, which uh, that's Wakulla County. It's right under Leon County where Tallahassee is. And uh, when people think of Tallahassee, they think of you know, the Capitol and, you know, rolling hills and lots of buildings and uh, FSU and, you know, lots, there's lots of people. And where I grew up was totally different and it's only 25 minutes away, <laughs> you know, so uh, it's very rural. Uh, about two thirds to three fourths of our whole county is national forest, um, which is great if you're a runner because, oh man, there's so many places, uh, good places to run. And, but I grew up there. Um, I was born in Tampa and shortly, you know, a couple of years after I was born, uh, we moved back to where most of my family is in Crawfordville. And, uh, I kind of came up through there and, um, I kind I was not really the best athlete growing up. You know, I, I was kind of small and not really fast. And, um, I kind of got picked last for teams and, and it was kind of, uh, I never really thought I was going to be an athlete growing up because everyone in Wakulla County puts an emphasis on football or baseball or maybe soccer, but basically the ball sports and you know if you're not really good in the ball sports and you know what options do you have yeah and i you know tallahassee is a great place to run too right not just so you were just south on the gulf there um it sounds similar to to tallahassee i trained actually at florida state there was a couple winters when i was at zap fitness um we were lucky i think it was your coach brayman who um facilitated it too so he was generous to let us come down <clears throat> and we trained there i think for six weeks in the winter and, and i was shocked at at all the trails like the trail systems were incredible i would love to go back and especially some of those single track trails that we would get on i don't even remember the names you've probably been on them a million times obviously but um what an amazing place to train everyone was surprised like florida like oh you're gonna be on pavement it's gonna be hot it's gonna be flat it sounds terrible you know it's totally not the experience oh um, yeah you now um but uh so it sounds like you, you weren't a great athlete but um was there a coach or a family member or someone because running i can't imagine was was so popular 
um, where you were, despite some of the trail systems, right? Well, you know, uh, you know, running uh, wasn't really popular, especially where I came from. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of very, uh, it's a weird, and it's weird how this works in all places of the country, because when you get to some rural parts of the country, you know, and you see someone out for a jog and, you know, people will give you looks like, well, you know, why is he jogging, you know, and, and that's just, that's just kind of how it is sometimes. I, I, uh, I never really uh, knew anyone who raced or ran any races and we didn't have any races uh, where I grew up in Wakulla County. There's plenty of races in Leon County and Tallahassee because it's yeah. one of the best places to train really in the country. And, um, but just 25 minutes South is like a whole new world because, you know, I didn't grow, grow up around any of that. I didn't grow up. I didn't see people out running. I didn't, you know, know what cross country was until I got to high school, you know, and I, I never really, um, you know, understood, you know, why people ran or if there was any, you know, really big competitions other than track meets. Yeah. Well, St Stan, real quick, I, I got to ask you, because you're in Monterey, which is just a beautiful place. There used to actually be an elite, a post-collegiate group in Monterey um, yep. when I was at ZAP. But um, let's just take the weather factor out, right? Um, just in terms of like places to run and um, ability to train, like wh which do you prefer, uh, Tallahassee or Monterey? Well, I'd say Tallahassee. And wow. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's because, you know, Monterey's great and all. I mean, it's perfect weather. I mean, you can't ask for any better weather, um, you know, to have to train. Yeah. But I, I'm just biased towards Tallahassee because there's just so many options available. And, you know, with the, you know, with everything in the running community uh, and FSU and, and all the opportunities you, you have in Tallahassee as a runner, I, I don't see, I don't know. I, I'm just, like I said, I'm very biased. I don't see a whole lot of other places um, beating Tallahassee in terms of places to train. I mean, there are some miserable months uh, during the summer, you know, as far <laughs> as the weather goes, but you know, it's, it's a period where you're not really racing that much. I mean, unless you're a track athlete, you know, um, you might be, running some summer meets outdoors but yeah. you know for a lot of the road guys a lot of like me you know who like to run like halves and fulls in the spring or in the fall or in the winter you know summer is just really another time to put the miles in and you don't really need great weather to do that you can just go out and be miserable in the heat but you're not having to you know do a whole bunch of sessions or anything anyways uh, i'd say yeah. that Tallahassee, uh, in the running community, like I said, just having so, so much, um, support from the, I, I was, in, I'm in the Gulf Winds track club and I still am, you know, even though I'm across the country, but the Gulf Winds track club is, uh, the club in Tallahassee that has thousands of people, thousands of members and lots of support comes from that club. And, uh, just the running community itself is, is fantastic. That's cool. No, I mean, I wanted to ask because I kind of felt like you might say that. And I I think for our listeners, that would be a surprise, you know, that uh, Tallahassee, it's like 
That's so true. There's so many cool places to run there. It's, it's unreal. Um, but, um, okay, cool. So then high school, back to high school, what was the hook? Um, was there a coach? You, it seemed like you weren't participating in some of the, the more mainstream sports. Um, so what was the hook? How did you, how did you finally get into cross country and, and track? Well, you know, before high school, I had wrestled in middle school, and that got a little bit closer to um, mm. something that I felt I, I was good at, and something that I could I could work, I could apply myself to to get better at the sport. And that was a little closer. But when I got to high school, I kind of had to give up wrestling because um, the time commitment and me making practice while bouncing and juggling other extracurriculars that I did. I just didn't work out and became too much. And so I quit wrestling and uh, I started doing junior ROTC in high school. And one of the things that we did in junior ROTC was we took a physical fitness test that, you know, basically what everyone does in the Navy and that we were talking about earlier. And, and so one of the, and so the physical fitness test in the Navy there's two minutes of push-ups, there's two minutes of sit-ups, and then there's a mile and a half run. And I could get a perfect score on the mile and a half run, a per- or my mistake, perfect score on the push-ups, a perfect score on the sit-ups, but I could not get a perfect score on the mile and a half run. That was my, my weakness, and running was something that I guess I wasn't that good at, but I was okay at. So that's kind of what led me to the cross country. Um, a lot of my friends in high school were in the cross country team and I always saw them running and, you know, I always wondered like, what, what is that? What's going on? Like, you know, what, you know, what are they training for? What are they doing? And when they, you know, told me about it, I said, well, that could be fun, I guess. And so, so I went out for the cross country team and what year was that? that? So that would have been, in 2009, uh, that would have been my sophomore year of high school. Okay. And um, that, that's kind of when I got started w- with running and stuff. And so um, I, I ran my first cross-country race in 2009. And, um, you know, I, I kind of loved it, you know, instantly. I kind of just instantly thought it was great. Uh, I can remember going to my first cross-country meet and seeing like so many runners from different teams and and I can remember my coach you know just going up to me my coach high school coach Paul Hoover um and I can remember him saying all right Stanley just hang on to this guy on the team he's you know <laughs> the sixth or seventh man uh, see if, see if you could pace off of him I think your ability is right next to him and um see what happens and coincidentally I finished first for our team that day, uh, wow. my first race. And so I kind of thought, well, well, this might be where I'm supposed to belong. You know, this might be where, where I, uh, this is what I'm going to be, I guess, you know, because, uh, I was, I had somewhat of a talent for it and then, you know, I felt good and, and I just, uh, I don't know. I just, it kind of all started from there. Did, did you actually go out with the seventh? place or the seventh man or the guy that he wanted you to stick with and then you just decided this was too easy or did you get caught up right from the get-go and just go out fast and ended up being for how did it play out just curious 
Well, you know, uh, I think after the first quarter mile, he had taken out pretty hard. And um, <laughs> I don't think I was going to go out with him because he was just uh, he was actually a year younger than I am. He was a freshman and I was a sophomore. So I don't know if he knew anything about running either. I just know that I had lost him after the first quarter mile. <laughs> and, um, you know, after that, uh, I just said, well, I guess I'm just going to run my own race and and see how it plays out. And uh, I can remember passing our captain or the one of the seniors during the race and thinking like man i must be going pretty fast and uh i think i finished like 29th that day and a lot of you know which is nothing to brag about but a lot of people were coming up saying oh my goodness that was uh you know you you were in the top 30 and you know it was it was just felt really good and uh but yeah i know um I, I just totally lost that guy whoever uh you know at, at around right around probably about a quarter mile i don't remember seeing him after that <laughs> um never looked back and so relationship with your coach was it overall in high school a pretty positive one did he um did he use jack's book or do you, do you have a sense for how he coached you guys looking back well he certainly did and, and he certainly uh used jack daniel's philosophy and and, uh, my high, my relationship with my high school coach was great. He was a second father to me. And, and, um, you know, I never, never really up to that point, I never had a coach that I wanted to impress or work harder for than Paul Hoover, um, my high school coach. He was, um, you know, no one really wanted to disappoint him, not for fear of disappointing him because he was going to get mad, but no one wanted to disappoint him because, he, he meant so much to us and, um, you know, we just wanted to do our best for him. And, and, and he definitely used, you know, tons of Jack Daniels sample workouts and, and trained, uh, and trained us and coached us off of Jack's philosophy. And, and I can remember a little bit later in my high school career, like senior year or freshman year college, maybe where, he gave me one of Jack's books and, and, uh, said, uh, here, you can borrow this and, you know, see if you learn anything. And, um, so yeah, I, I've kind of been off of that philosophy for a while. Yeah, that's cool. So we'll I want to talk more about that obviously, but, um, give us a sense for you get to senior year, things progressed, um, roughly how fast were you running by the end of your high school career? Well, you know, I had a very rapid improvement from when I started to when I finished in high school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my my first race, I think it was like 1953. Uh, I, I mean, it was, uh, you know, not the very not that very good. And um, the second year I had dropped almost nearly three minutes off that time. You know, my junior year, I went 1711 or something um, at one of the last meets. And then. And then once again, my senior year, and this is when I trained really hard, determined to try to make our state meet that no one had done for a while, uh, you know, except one of my one of my friends who's much older than me, um, who eventually also ran at FSU. Um, no one had went to the state meet besides him, and he was kind of a an, an idol of mine. And I said, okay, well, I want to make it to the state meet my senior year, and I ran. I had run like 1611. That was my cross country PR and, uh, which actually was 0.7 seconds off the school record. So, uh, <laughs> no. 
yeah, I mean, you talk about, you know, talk about close and just, you know, just ne- never happening, but, but yeah. And so my senior year, I, uh, I really trained hard before that senior year of high school and I made it to the state meet, in both state, uh, cross country and track and gotten a medal, which means, you know, I was in the top eight. So that was, how much, how much were you running, Stan, at that point? Do you remember? You know, I actually have my logs right next to me, and, and I didn't keep many logs uh, in high school, but I do, have, I do have one log, and, you know, I'm just looking at it right now, and uh, this is the log of my track season senior year of high school, and a lot of those weeks were 26 miles, 33 miles, 30 miles, you know, I must have averaged 30 miles for a 10-week period. And, you know, I, I you know, quite honestly, I do that regularly uh, within a two- or three-day period. You know, I, I can I could run 30 miles in two days now, and that's kind of like a standard, you know. And so, uh, but at the time, there's a lot of, a lot of runs, a lot of days where I would go out for an easy run, and my coach would say, okay, Go out to the mile and back with a mile warm up before and a mile cool down after, and that's your four mile run. That's your easy day. Hmm. So, and that was it. Um, so, did you, when you finished, was it like, was it a dream to run at Florida State? I mean, that was the, the big state school right nearby where you grew up. Um, was it, what other, were you looking at other schools? What was the recruiting? process like at that point well you know prior to my senior year um you know i i had never really done any research about florida state and their cross-country team but when i started to get very serious about the future and what i would do in college and and whatnot i looked at different schools you know i applied to the university of south florida applied to the united states naval academy and and then FSU and I was checking out their programs and you know in 2010 uh Florida State actually were, they were runner up and at the national meet so they got second in 2010 with a lot of good guys Kieran Leonard um you know, yeah. you know Mike Fout uh David Forster a lot of guys that were were very very good and you know probably the fifth or sixth man on that team could crack 14 minutes in the 5k which yeah. which is pretty pretty good pretty stout for a, a cross country team and and so you know I, I knew that they had a good program and and I saw that and you know I kind of that's ultimately what led me to Florida State was that you know uh, even though people say you should get away for college you should move away from your hometown I love Tallahassee and and the idea of going to Florida State uh, was you know just so um, so attractive to me, you know, it's just, uh, I could go to Florida state run on the, on a great cross country team, get so much better and, and run on so many good trails and, and, you know, I could stay home and I wouldn't, and I could see my family if I want, if I got homesick or stuff, it's just very, very lots of good incentives for me to stay around North Florida and go to Florida state. I mean, sure. So you end up, so despite I'm assuming so Brayman said, you know, we'd love to have you, but here are the standards. And, you know, until you reach, what was it? Sub 15 for, for 5k. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, 
yeah, I wanted to, I reached out to coach, uh, Brayman. Yeah. I would say, I think it was like right around after cross country of my senior year. And I had told him, you know, I expressed that I wanted to be on the team and, and, you know, he gave us the walk on standards for, for high school. And I think at the time it was right around nine twenty for two miles. And I had never before my senior year of track, I had never broken 10 minutes in the, in the two mile. Mm. And so I had a lot to go. And, and after my senior year of track, I still hadn't gotten the walk on standard. I had run like nine fifty for two miles and track. And so I didn't, I didn't meet any of the walk on standards coming out of high school, but I still wanted to be on the team when I got. And so when I got to FSU, um, I kind of reached out again and just said, you know, what, what do I have to do to make it on the team? And that was when, you know, he kind of told me that, you know, if you run 15 flat or better on the track, then, you know, we can see you having a spot on the team because they were limited on roster spots. I mean, yeah. uh, they had just come off of paying second place in 2010 and then they were fifth place in 2012. And so they had a very good team. And, uh, when I got there in the fall, 2012, when they got fifth, you know, it was, you know, it was kind of like, okay, I'm going to have to work hard to make it on this team. I mean, I'm going to have to, cause they had, Lots of guys coming out of high school that could, you know, be second or third at a state meet, some high school champs. And, you know, I wasn't I wasn't that. And so um, so now, you know, that was kind of my goal going into my first year, first few years of college was get to 15 flat somehow. And you were pretty much training by yourself at that point. Your high school coach wasn't helping you're in school at, at FSU and you're still, you're not giving up on this goal. Like you're, you're also there to make the team. Right. Well, you know, after you leave high school, there's kind of this, um, you know, I, I don't know. There's, um, I knew my coach, my high school coach had other things to worry about and, you know, yeah. he's got his high school team that he's worried about and, and he was a great guy and, and he always gave me support and, always, you know, uh, kind of put schedules together and said, here's what you should do and, and stuff. But, uh, eventually I just kind of disconnected from that and, and try to do my own thing. And so here I am coming out of high school and, you know, it's kind of, I have no, you know, methodology. I have no, um, good ways to train. I don't know anything about training or physiology or, um, where to even begin, but, you know, I kind of embarked on this. Um, here's what I'm going to try. I'm going to do it by myself and, and hopefully I get there. And, and so, yeah. Were you training, did you have anyone to train with Stan? I, I read something that you were, you know, just killing it on the local road racing scene, but was there, were you in a club? Were you working out with anyone or was this pretty much, you know, you're writing your workouts um, going out and just trying to stay focused on, on this goal. Yeah. Well, I, I was in the golf wins track club and you were even at that point. Okay. Right. And so right later in the, my high school years is when I joined the club, I was still in high school and they have plenty of guys in the club that were successful, especially during the running boom. And yeah, there's so many knowledgeable people. 
but I just, you know, I don't think I reached out to anyone like I should have to, to kind of help me. And I was just kind of doing things on my own. And, and I will say this, there were some people I, I got to run. It was a privilege to be able to run with people. You know, I didn't really, um, train with anyone consistently. They used to have Tuesday intervals. They probably, you know, we'll kick them back off when coronavirus goes away, but yeah. they, you know, they always used to have Tuesday night intervals at FSU for the club. And I'd go there and run on the track and there'd be, you know, people that would say, okay, here's what the workout is today. And, uh, they'd say, okay, we're going to go three by a mile. And I would just go there every Tuesday. And, um, but I was just kind of coaching myself and training by myself and occasionally just, I'd get some just, other people to run with. Just using the VDOT tables in the book and, and just trying to follow, um, the workouts from the book too. I mean, how, how closely, um, was that guiding your, your training and you were mostly doing the solo, I guess. Well, you know, it's funny because, um, I really didn't, um, embrace parts of the book until later I'd say, well, I'd say I was taking some of the book to write the workouts, but I was not reading or understanding and grasping all of the concepts in the book. But, but yes, all my, all my work was started to come out of Jack Daniels, uh, one of the first, uh, books, one of the first editions that he had. And, uh, you know, I, I can remember there was a lot of workouts in there, like, you know, like three by like sets of two miles and, mm -hmm. you know, tempos and like, you know, cruise miles and, and a lot of stuff that I tried and experimented with. But, you know, it's funny because when I finally sat down and said, I'm going to take apart this book piece by piece and understand everything so I can devise a training plan. I don't think that came until about sophomore year um, of college. That first year was kind of uh, really bumpy because, you know, and this, this is the thing and especially want everyone to know is that like uh, the benefit of having a systematic approach to training that's like based off of phys physiology, because I was doing things my freshman year of college that just did not make sense. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I worked out Monday through Thursday. So, you know, I'd go tempo run on Monday. Meaning, meaning quality or quality speed sessions. You're, when you're saying you worked out, right? Right. So quality <laughs> sessions and I'd go Monday tempo, Tuesday interval session, Wednesday tempo, Thursday interval session. Then I take a, I take a small, easy day on Friday and, um, and then Saturday I would race. And so, and did, uh, and then, Right. Did Raymond, sorry to cut you off. Did, did you also have the mentality to break 15? I've got to, I've got to really jack up my, my volume or my mileage. Cause I heard the Florida state team is, you know, running this, like, was there any of that in addition to the, the qualities that quality sessions that you were doing? Oh yes, absolutely. And, um, uh, a lot of my friends, whether that were friends that went to other universities and competed on other college teams, mm -hmm. I, I had heard that they were doing mileage like 70, 80 miles a week. And so just, you know, and, and this is one of Jack's principles is, is you shouldn't train like an individual. And, and this is the thing that I would do I, as I would hear that someone would be doing something and 
they were successful. So I would do it. And so, and that would just be like that anecdotal evidence that, you know, Oh, this works because this guy's fast. And so I ramped up my mileage from 30 miles a week in high school to about 60 to 70 miles a week in, in my freshman year of college. And, and so that was, you know, double my mileage in high school. And, you know, and I built up to that, you know, kind of intelligently, not taking up, not going directly from 30 to 60, but incrementing it, you know, as the years went on. And, and by the end of my freshman year, I was running 70 to 75 miles a week, pretty comfortably and doing a lot of, a lot of double days, you know, doubling up on most of those workout days and, um, just kind of, but that's, I didn't have too many friends on the team. You know, yeah. I didn't really know a lot of people. I was kind of an outsider and didn't really know anyone. And, and a lot of those guys were not even from Florida. They're from different countries or different states and, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of got recruited from all over. Did you, so it took roughly two, the first two years you were solo, just running on the club. Um, and then you hit the, the sub 15, was it your junior year or in the summer? Did you do a time trial? How did it, how did it all play out? Right. So, uh, I did a time trial before, um, cross country of a sophomore year. So freshman year, even though I was doing, you know, some of this training just, just did not make sense. And, and, uh, I was yeah. still improving. I, I was still, you know, getting a little bit better. And I went from 16, 11 and cross country to running 15, 22 on the track, my freshman year of college. And so I was definitely improving, even though I was, you know, definitely probably overtraining, but, um, you know, I had gotten pretty, pretty close, you know, 22 seconds over 5k, you know, isn't that far away. And if you have a good day, you can, uh, I'll probably cut some time off of that. And coach Raymond saw that and, and he kind of reached out to me again and said, okay, well, um, here, well, if you run the four mile time trial before cross country and you get under 2020 or 2030, um, then we, we could probably give you a spot on the team, you know? And so, um, the summer for my fall of my sophomore year of college, I had trained and trained and, uh, you know, really trained hard to try to run under 2020 for four miles. And that didn't happen. I, you know, didn't really even get close to that. And so hmm. I still wanted to be on the team after that time trial, even though I didn't get on. And so I still put 15 flat as my goal. And this yeah. is when I started to adopt more of Jack's principles. And, okay. and yeah. And so this is, this is, you know, I have my log right here and I can see the day in January of 2014 when I just said, I decided that, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to adopt all the principles. I'm not going to take it so hard. I'm going to have rests mm. uh, in between my workouts. I'm going to go easy on my easy days. All my easy days were probably about 550 pace. And, you know, I would just go hard on all of my easy runs. And when I fully adopted Jack's <laughs> philosophy, I turned that around. I went easier on my easy runs, did workouts at the pace they needed to be, and, you know, didn't race too much. And I, so the spring of 2014, I got on the track and I ran 15.04 at one of the home meets oh. uh, at FSU. And that was when coach came up to me, Coach Brayman, and said, 
you know, do you still want to run for FSU? And I said, of course. And he said, you know, we'll see you on Monday. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Oh, um, yeah. That, and yeah. What, so it was like a local home race that was it was open to to um, local runners that you were able to jump in or it was just like a, an invite? Yeah. So it was the FSU relays and it was they have, you know, once a year in March. Mm-hmm. And um, and if you're running unattached, you can run unattached if, you know, like in the college race. And I ran unattached in the 5000. And uh, that was when I got. I think it was like fifth or sixth in the race, but I went 1504 and that was pretty much close enough. Were and, you, were you pumped to set a PR or were you kind of crushed that it just didn't happen? Or were you just getting excited in general? Cause you're getting closer and closer and, and just surprised at the end that he offered it to you. Or what, what was your reaction? Well, you know, um, <laughs> I think I was just pumped that I got a, a, such a good time. You know, yeah. I was so close. At least I was close to 15 flat, you know, and that was the important thing was, you know, am I close enough? Am I even in yeah. that realm of being considered? And I was and and I had gotten that was a huge PR. I think it was an 18 second PR that I yeah. ran and uh, and PRs don't come often at that level. And, and yeah. it was really I was just pumped to have that. And then, um, yeah. So when he came up to me afterwards, I, I kind of I don't know, I I would just think that four seconds over a 5k is kind of negligible but you know it's funny because right after i got on the team the first race that i did was another home meet and i ran 1456 nice so so you could say that i paid back that four second run (laughs) that i had taken out uh from fsu relays nice good for you um real quickly before we progress on that you mentioned sort of changing or fully embracing more of the methodology behind, you know, Jack, oftentimes I think people is just like, Oh yeah, he's got the tables and the, and the paces, but there he did develop through the research, this, this methodology and a lot of the principles that so many coaches and athletes use. Um, it sounds like, cause Brayman, when he offered the four mile, I just did a quick calculation. We're geeking out here with the VDOT calculator, the 2020 for four miles, that's 1533 equivalent for 5k. Did you just have a, an off race or did you feel like you were starting to hit a wall and needed to adjust the training at that point? Well, you know, I think there's a lot of different factors and conditions. Um, yeah. One, one, that four mile time trial is in August and, <laughs> and, and in August, it's kind of hard because, you yeah. know, collegiates, what they do is they, is they do a lot of base training during the summer and they don't do a lot of, they don't really put a lot of emphasis on, you know, getting ready to run a, you know, a really fast, you know, race on the track or time trial on the track. And, uh, you know, I, I, it wasn't ready for me. I wasn't ready to, you know, probably a little bit later in the fall I could, but at that time in August, it's pretty warm, you know, coming off of just running easy mileage and, you know, I just wasn't ready. And then, so, uh, I actually ran um, one of the home cross country meets that year. I ran twenty five forty for eight k, and you know on grass. And so that probably that probably equivalent would have been on the track would have probably put me at twenty twenty. You know, um, it just wasn't meant to be on the day. And so um, you know that's just how things are. 
Yeah, yeah. And what an incredible story. I mean, you go, you walk, you finally get on the team and then you go on and become all conference. I saw all region, you qualify for NCAAs and, and cross, you just continue to progress. And then I, I noticed we kind of skipped through it, but correct me if I'm wrong, that somehow you snuck in a, a bunch of marathons in college. I'm assuming that's before you got on the team, right? Right. So when I was just training by myself, uh, one thing that I always did was uh, I tried to run a race. Uh, and it's quite remarkable. I, I almost did a race every weekend in <laughs> 2013. Um, you know, I, I ran, I think I ran about 43 or 44 races um in 2013 and i had won like 29 of them and they were all kind of like road races so uh, the road racing scene was my home and and i yeah. made that my home and didn't matter what the distance was if it was a if it was a mile i'd run it if it was a marathon or you know a 30k or something long like that i'd run it because i just loved being out there and i loved racing and and yeah i did run three marathons and crashed and burned on all three you know uh, the where were they and which ones okay so actually they're all north florida just a little bit separated so my first one was the pensacola marathon and i got i actually got fourth in that one so that was a a kind of a small low-key one but i led for the first 20 miles thinking like okay well this it hasn't hit me yet it hasn't hit me yet and right around 18 or 19 miles i just thought well it's hit me. So, uh, yeah. And so, uh, I, I ran like the Pensacola marathon, the Tallahassee marathon and the Jacksonville bank marathon. And oh, yeah. And so those were the three that I ran and my best was at Tallahassee where I ran two forty five. Two forty five, Right. And how much did the training shift? Like when you were getting ready for that, were you fully on following like, a a marathon buildup or was it just, you know, my goal is break 15 minutes in the 5k, but I'm going to add in some, some long runs. I mean, or was your training just all over the place? My training was all over the place, Brian. <laughs> you know, I, I think, I think it's remarkable how I didn't get injured or how I didn't, you know, uh, lose so much with training because, um, like I said, I would just, I would just see a race and say, Oh, that looks cool. You know, I'll just do this. You know, I mean, I didn't really shift my training at all for it. You know, I was running pretty high mileage, you know, I had stepped up to about 70, 80, but even for the, but for the marathon, you, you definitely need a little bit, uh, I don't know, a little bit more coordination with the training. And, and at that point I, I didn't have it. And it. You know why I didn't run too well. I mean, I, I could go out and run one fifteen through the half and then I'd crash and burn and have to walk in the last three miles and, um, yeah, I, it just, my training wasn't there. And, and so, um, but I was just happy to be out there and, you know, some of these races I'd still place in the top 10 and think like, man, I, this is a, you know, pretty large marathon. And, yeah, uh, if I was like sixth or seventh, I'd be like thrilled with that because, you know, there'd be people that would, you know, be much older and, and I don't know, I just felt that was, it was just comforting, even though I crashed and burned and had very kind of like rough races uh i was just happy to be out there and so what what year did you graduate stan so i finished undergrad in 2016 okay so you went 245 
to 218.46, which is, I believe, currently your marathon PR in three years. How did that happen? Oh, yeah. Well, so, well, the marathon PR didn't come until after. Uh, yeah, that was, mo- that was actually 2019. Right. Um, but, you know, um, I, I did drop a three, whole lot of time. Yeah, yeah. In three years, how, how did that come? I mean, was it, you were already running pretty high mileage once you were on the team. Um, so what were the big changes that you saw um, from 245 to 218? Like, what are, what are some of the keys, you think? Okay, so I would say the first key is that, that experience and background. Because uh, one thing that I, you know, which Coach Brayman is a very huge advocate on is threshold training. And, and I got exposed to lots of threshold training and, and knew how to run those threshold workouts very good. And we're talking like eight, nine mile threshold workouts where you're out there for about 40 to 50 minutes at a time running at a hard, comfortably hard pace for well, the majority it, of that run. Yeah. And stop right there. Cause I, I think what you said is awesome because I think this is a problem when people run threshold, right? They get their pace. They try and stick to a certain pace, but there's a lot of factors. You said you knew how to run threshold. I think that's key, right? Like you, you have to know, you got to be able to feel it. Um, but it sounds great that in that program, that was such a huge emphasis on threshold. Yeah. Yeah. And that is becoming, and, and this is, you know, you know, what Bob will tell you, Bob Raymond will tell you is that, yeah. that threshold training is becoming the gold standard of, of distance training. Um, because, you know, you, you don't, you get more bang for your buck, I, in my opinion, you know, because, you know, you're running at a comfortably hard pace that you can sustain. You're not working that hard, you know, and you're just, um, you know, able to see so many big benefits and you're right. There's not a specific pace. You know, I think people where people go wrong is that, you know, they, they see a pace associated with their threshold and they say, I have to operate at that pace. And, uh, right. and that, and if I, and if I go any faster, I'm wrong. If I go any slower, I'm wrong. There's, you know, probably a good range of, you know, pace that you could operate at and still get a good threshold benefit. And that's what I learned at while I was at FSU was that we had many different ranges about, you know, where we would, we would never just run, you know, all of our work at T pace, you know, we wouldn't run all of our uh, yeah. thresholds at this pace. We, it would be, you know, maybe we'd run slightly slower. Maybe we'd right, run right at it. Maybe we'd run slightly faster, but we were always operating within that kind of realm to get that benefit. Yeah. And I also mean like, okay, you're in Tallahassee, it's 80 degrees. And obviously you can do a conversion. Jack has some temp conversion, which is just sort of an average. It's not going to apply exactly to everyone. So you have to know what it feels like, right? You know, what it feels like in the legs and um, your breathing. And I think that's sort of the key that we try to always emphasize. It's like you need, you need to understand. I think that's the problem with GPS watches. It's just everyone's just running by looking at the watch. And, oh, yeah. you know, when we when I was running high school and college, I remember the tennis coach got such a kick out of me in college because he he would say, hey, you know, my guys need to break seven minutes in the mile to stay on the team. Like that was their standard. And 
he's like, can you just go run a seven minute mile? So a lot of them can just see that they need to be in front of you. And I would go out there with the old Timex, you know, and just run seven minutes on the dot. And he, every year he would laugh, a stare. He's like, how do you do that? You know, like you, you just did it. You ran right at seven minutes. And I probably can't do that anymore because I, I wear a Garmin and I don't, I don't know pace and effort as well. Oftentimes, I think that's part of the problem. But um, so, yeah, all those factors, like whether you're rolling hills, right? You're not going to be right at your threshold pace going uphill. If you are, then it's probably too fast. Right. And and you're getting an entirely ben, uh, total, ben, you know, different uh, benefit to the, you know, the, the stress that you're doing is, is, yeah. is, you know, yeah, I mean, just feeling it out and knowing that, okay, this is just way harder and I'm getting a totally different benefit than what I set out to get. And, um, and, and I think that's where a lot of folks will go wrong is that, um, you know, they'll operate way faster than they need to. And, and so when they get off to harder training, you know, just it, it's all over the place. Yeah. And so I, I think, but going back to your question about the marathon, it's, um, no. yeah, I, it was the maturity. It was the maturity to understand um, you know, where I need to train at, how I need to do it and, and being able to put so many miles together and, and, you know, honestly, Brian, um, you know, my training from college hasn't trained, hasn't changed drastically. You know, there's not a whole lot of things that I do differently. Um, you know, and so for the marathon and the half marathon as well, uh, really all I had to do was just add on to what I had been doing. And so, you know, instead of training to run 10 K cross country, you know, I'm running half marathon marathon. So naturally, you know, I thought that, well, I could just add another rep to, you know, let's say if I go three by two mile, well, how about let's go four by two mile and, and, uh, see how that works. And, and a lot of my workouts were very continuous. And so I could run, you know, four by two mile and float in between the reps, like for a mile. And I could get 11 miles at marathon pace. I could average 11 miles at marathon pace. And that was about an hour. I mean, you know, I could run for an hour at my marathon pace, you know, once or twice a week for weeks and weeks and weeks. Mm -hmm. And so by the time I'm ready to run the marathon, you know, I know I can do it. You know, I, I have that confidence and I've done the threshold work, you know, I've done the stuff to improve my fitness. I know the fitness is there. I, it's just a matter of, you know, running my race. And, and, um, so next, the next time I went for the marathon, the, you know, I hadn't run a marathon within, I think five years, I think there was like a five or six year period where I hadn't run a marathon. And so when I ran grandma's and ran 218 at grandma's, you know, I was ready, you know, that within that five or six years training with, uh, Bob and, you know, at, at FSU, it's, um, you know, I had learned so much about training and I learned so much about more about really Jack's work and, and, you know, how to train, you know, you know, cause there's, you know, that's what we learn about training is that you can do it at the wrong time. You can do it at the right time. You could do it too fast, you do it too slow. You could do it you know, you can do a lot of it. You do a little bit. It's just, that's what about training is about. You got to put it together. And, and that's what I learned. And that's, that's the, that's the piece that got me ready to go from 245 
the 218 was was having that background and having that knowledge. And you so the your you got the standard at grandma's. Right. So grandma's was um, in 2019 is when I ran the full and the December before that summer, you know, um, you know, I decided, OK, this is my year. I think I'm ready to do it. I'm going to in December, I said, I'm going to sign up for grandma's. I have six months to get ready for this thing. And that six month period uh, from December to June uh, was probably one of the most consistent training blocks that I've had, you know, in my whole life. And and so everything went great. Everything went according to plan. And yeah, grandma's that day was, you know, perfect conditions, not slight tailwind. And, you know, I, you know, I had run my race exactly what I set out to do on paper and got my standard. Nice. Were, were you kicking it in or were you, did you feel pretty comfortable um, in the later stages that you had it? Well, yeah. So I actually negative split the race and nice. uh, I, I went through a uh, half marathon right around 109.30. So, you know, when you get to half, you're thinking like, oh man, like, uh, <laughs> and you're right, you're right at that, you know, kind of like, okay, I can't slow down at all or I'm not going to get it, you know? And so, uh, but you know, it's funny because some of my best miles were from 13 to 18, uh, during the race. And that was when I thrived. I mean, I, I can remember looking at the watch and some of the mile splits and seeing 501, 502 or something and, and thinking, man, I'm having a great day. And, uh, yeah. And so I had went into the race knowing that I was going to take out conservatively and, you know, I, I, I set mile, you know, kind of like checkpoints, you know, at six miles, 10 miles, 16 miles and 20. And I said, okay, I need to be faster than this at six, faster than this at 10 and so on. And right around, I'd say about 20 miles, I, I had been, I had hit all my checkpoints. And so I, I'm just thinking to myself, well, you've done everything you needed. You, you just need to not fall apart this last 10 K. <laughs> and you know, easier said than done, but I had gotten to, once I got to mile 25, I hit one of my fastest miles at mile 25 actually. And, um, and I thought, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, man, I could just stay on my feet for the next six minutes. I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to have the time. Like if I just don't, you know, I had plenty of room to spare and I wasn't stressing at all. I was just very happy. I was just thinking just, you know, you're going like, you're going to the trials. You just need to stay on your feet. And, uh, <laughs> I, I turned the last corner, looked up at the clock, heard the announcer say, these guys are going to the Olympic trials. And, you know, just, I just thought to myself, like, man, I did it. Like I, I finally did it, you know? And, um, I, I trained intelligently. I had a great approach, a great periodization leading up to that race. And I did it. And it was just so kind of like, you know, satisfying such a satisfying feeling. Uh, that's awesome, man. Thanks for painting, painting that picture. Um, so tell us just real briefly, like what was your experience like at the trials? I was actually there, um, on the sidelines. I can't believe how windy it was. Um, but the, the atmosphere was incredible despite, um, the weather. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that. And then also, um, what are your goals now coming out? Like, how are you holding up? How's your body? How's training been during the pandemic? Um, 
So from the trials and then and then onward. Yeah. So the trials, I mean, briefly, because I can talk about the trials for a long time. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that as a runner, I haven't been to a race or an event um, as kind of prestigious as the Olympic trials. And I, yeah. I just, you know, highly recommend to people that are in that boat, if they can make an Olympic trials that they should, because uh, I mean, that is your red carpet as a runner. I mean, I, I uh, as especially a marathon runner, you know, you go to this place and there's 200 of the best marathon men in the country. And some of these guys have been on an Olympic team and, and you go there and you know, there's tons of friends that you see and that are there as well. And, and the race itself is amazing just because there's thousands and thousands of people that line the streets of Atlanta. And, you know, I can, I can just remember not being able to hear myself, like just because of the roar of this crowd. And every time you would turn a block, it just, I mean, it wouldn't go away. You know, it wouldn't be like, there's some parts where of the course where you don't get as much crowd involvement, but man, I, I'm telling you, like for that first few miles, it, you just hear this deafening roar of, of thousands of people. And, uh, man, I just thought like, man, this is, this is awesome. And I, I definitely want to come back and, um, you know, man, it's just, that is probably one of the best experiences I'll have as a runner. So, you know, going to an event like that. So now switching gears to like my goals now, uh, you know, it's kind of tough. And as everyone knows, running it, you know, racing and, and training for stuff right now is a little tough because, you know, there's hardly anything out there that you can plan for. You know, there's, you know, there's these races that come up, you know, every so often. And I just actually finished the race, uh, this past weekend in Las Vegas, um, that, you know, I agreed to run like six to eight weeks, um, Hmm. before I even knew what was going on. So, you know, I had eight weeks to train for this thing, but eight weeks ago I said, I'll take it, you know, because races just don't come by often. And so, but everyone knows it's kind of hard to train for stuff right now, but I think that's the, you PR in that race, didn't you? What's that? You set a PR in that race, right? I, I did. And, uh, yeah, almost 30 seconds over half and, um, or half marathon. And it was, I mean, great day, a little windy, but, you know, it was a great opportunity because they had, you know, a really good field and a lot of guys to run with and pack up with, you know, a lot of guys like Zach Zarda, Matt Lano and Sasan Mead and all these guys. And, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, it was a great event that they put on. And I think, you know, just being, just being in a pack of elite runners will, will produce some fast times most often. And so 10431, that's that's about according to Jack, again, this is not a prediction, but the equivalent is 215. So I'm curious, what what do you think you have in you over the next three, four years? Is is that what you're shooting for to, to lower that marathon time, or are you not as as focused on on that? Oh yeah. Well that marathon time is is what I'm long term focused on. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just have this kind of philosophy that, you know, you've got to be fit enough to run that. And, and, and I'm not I'm not saying I couldn't run faster than 215. I'm just saying that, you know, if I can't run under 104 or under, you know, around 103, 
uh, yeah. then I can't, then it's going to be very hard to run something like 213, 214, which is eventually the goal. I would love to run, you know, 213 or 214 in the next few years. And I think that's possible, you know, just given, you know, I, I know myself and my potential and rate of improvement and everything. And, yeah. um, but I just, you know, short term, I'm focused on setting a lot of, uh, PRs at the shorter distances, like 5k, 10k half so that I can, you know, be ready to run something to my potential in the full, because, you know, it's like, you know, if you can't run, it, you know, it's just kind of like the principle that, you know, if you can't break 70, how are you going to break 220, you know, you know, and so it's kind of that, you know, philosophy that I, I got to be fit. I want to be fit enough because, you know, you can't just run marathons every other week. I mean, some people do, but, you know, I, you know, I'm not the person to run a marathon every month or so. I'm more of the conservative, you know, maybe one or two marathons a year max. What do you think? Do you have any sense or have you heard anything about how they might change the standards for the next trials? Or what's you your know, I, 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 right? Um, I I hear a lot of talk about them, you know, making the standards a little bit faster because there was a whole ton of people who got it this time around. I mean, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think there was like six hundred women um, at the race, and that that's pretty, you know, that that's a lot of people, and even over two hundred men, you know, two hundred twenty, two hundred thirty men getting the standard is is pretty pretty good but i don't think anyone could have foresaw what um you know yeah it was the shoe development yeah that that took place in the last four years i don't think anyone could have saw that in 2012 uh as being you know such a factor you know su such an important factor because uh, you know i mean one could argue that you know even if it's a few seconds or 30 seconds that some of these shoes you know brought some people with them to the trials you know and and, and uh i'm not and i use the shoes you know i'm not saying that that's a wrong thing to do i'm just saying that the standard yeah. is probably going to be tougher you know because that now that they know that there are you know these uh, you know these um shoes like the endorphin pro and the next percent and the alpha fly and, and all these other shoes that can get people to that mark they're going to say okay well 217 you know like you know maybe yeah maybe 217 maybe 216 you know it's but i imagine if i had to put money on it that the standard and the full would definitely go down i don't know about the half the half's pretty stout i don't think hardly any people just got it right off the half you know there's right. not a whole lot of people that are going there do you feel the half do you feel like the half i've always been conflicted about the half like at first i liked it but it's also weird like when you get someone who qualifies by the half, which don't get me wrong, it's incredibly fast. Um, but and then they go into the marathon trials and they've never run a marathon. Um, you know, I I think it's it's fair game, right? But I'm just I'm interested to see if they do away with the half or if there's any talk about that. Um, kind of make someone run a marathon first, you know? Well, I mean, there's there's just so many people that will surprise you. I mean, like. Uh... Like Molly Seidel. Like, right. She know, didn't, that was her first, right, in the trials. Right. And and so, right. And so, you know, you just can't tell. You know, I mean, you'll never know someone's potential. Yeah. And I don't blame them, you know, because if you can make it to the trials without running a full marathon, well, you know, that's great because 
the marathon kind of takes something out of you and you can only run so many marathons without, you know, just kind of, you know, having the wheels fall apart. You know, I just, I think that, you know, if you, if you can cut the amount of marathons you do before you race a marathon, mm. I, I think that's the way to go. You know, I don't, and, and there's plenty of people that, you know, plenty of greats in the, in the past and marathon greats in history that had never run a marathon before doing incredible things like Charlie Spedding, I don't think had run a marathon, um, before, you know, running the marathon in the 84 Olympics and he was a bronze medalist, you know? And so, you know, and so it's like, you know, there are people that will surprise you and, and I, I don't blame them for not running a marathon to get the standard. I actually, you know, to each his own and, and oh, yeah. uh, I think it's impressive. Yeah, I mean, if it's available, I, I, I hear your point for sure. Um, it's absolutely. I'm well, just actually, and, yeah. and, to, and, to, and to add on to that, one more thing is uh, yeah. my roommate at the Olympic trials, uh, Grant Fisher, not the Stanford Bowerman Grant Fisher, the, the Colorado State Grant Fisher. Okay. There's a distinction between the two. My roommate, Grant Fisher, actually had never run a marathon and he got to the trials off his half marathon. And I think he was in the top 25. That's cool. run, Right. And he had run uh, 215 in his debut at Atlanta. That's cool. That's great. All right, Stan. Well, we could talk all day about training. And um, I'd love to hear more about your progress. And um, please keep us posted. It's been great chatting about your story. And uh, we'll be rooting for me, rooting for you. Hey, thanks, Brian. You know, anytime. And uh, Jack really does point people in the right direction. And, and that was, if, if I want to let anyone get out anything out of my story is just, um, you know, any, anyone can really um, take Jack's teachings and, and really change their life with it. You know, just because, you know, I, I mean, you know, it changed me from, you know, being almost a high school nobody to going to the Olympic trials. And, and I think that, uh, just having an intelligent and logical approach to training will, you know, can, can make you into something you never thought you would be. I appreciate you sharing that. We'll close on that note. I, I sent Jack a message, um, about your story and he was, he was excited. This, this is why he did what he did. So he always loves to hear um, these stories. So thanks again, Stan. Thanks, Brian. Take care. Take care, bud. I've been over.